Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to talk to you today about the fear of the Lord. Now before the giving of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 19, the people of Israel were camping at the foot of Mount Sinai. And they had an encounter with God that would forever shape them. They saw the lightning. All of a sudden, this cloud comes on. They saw the lightning. They heard the thunder. And a cloud descended on the mountain. And the people heard a loud trumpet blast that blew. Now, if you see the lightning hear the thunder, see the cloud come to settle down upon the mountain that you're camping beneath, and then you hear a loud trumpet blast, I want you to know that it would get your attention. In Exodus 19, verse 17, it said that, then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up, like smoke from a furnace. And the mountain trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet got louder and louder. And Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him out of that cloud. Now, these people had seen, they had seen some amazing things during their journey. The children of Israel had experienced, most of them had, had experienced the deliverance and they'd seen the seven plagues that came upon Pharaoh. They'd experienced as a death angel came through and wiped out the firstborn who did not have the blood applied to the doorpost of their home. They had seen Pharaoh chasing them and looked back and saw the cloud of dust and as they crossed over the Red Sea, they went through on dry ground and they saw Pharaoh utterly destroyed by God Almighty. These people knew about the power of God. But once again, God outdoes himself. And God comes and he manifests himself to this people in a way that they would never, ever forget. The earth shakes. The mountain trembles. We sang about that today. Fire came down and, and smoke billowed from the top of the mountain. And they hear this trumpet. But then when Moses speaks, God's voice speaks louder than the trumpet or louder than the thunder and more powerful than the lightning. God spoke to his people. In chapter 20 of Exodus, verse 18, it says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, it said they trembled in fear. They trembled in fear. The children of Israel had an encounter with God that made them aware of how awesome and powerful he was. The earth shook and they shook. Because of God's awesomeness. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 6 we pick up. And it says these are the commands. Decrees and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land. That you're crossing the Jordan to possess. Now you remember this that just before. What takes place after the earth shakes. It trembles. God speaks. Does anyone know what takes place right after that in Exodus? It's the giving of the Ten Commandments. Okay? And so that's why we tie that in here. And it says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. 
so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give to you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land with flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord God, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Father God, we pray that you'd add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as the children of Israel are making preparation to enter into the promised land that God had for them, there was something that he wanted to ensure. He wanted to ensure that they, their children, and their children's children would fear the Lord as long as they lived. God wanted them, their children, and their children's children to fear the Lord as long as they live. Now, I know that there's some really neat songs that we have, and I really enjoy singing them. I'm a friend of God, and, I, and we are friends of God. We're thankful for that. But I want you to know that God is also a consuming fire. That God is holy, and He's just, and He's all-powerful. And He's not just our buddy, as it were. God said to them, let's go back. I want to look at those verses one more time. Verses 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. That's what he says. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord. So God says, I want you, your children, and your grandchildren to fear the Lord as long as you live. And how did they show that they were fearing the Lord? By keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. The first thing, uh, that question I have for you today is, what does it mean to fear the Lord? One aspect of fearing the Lord is to have a reverence or an awe of who he is and of his power. Psalms 33 verse 8 says, let all the earth fear the Lord Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. It wasn't hard for that generation at that moment to have a fear of the Lord. If we were standing here today and all of a sudden a cloud came down from heaven and settled upon the edge of our property here, thunder and lightning starts flying out of that cloud, fire starts falling, and a trumpet blast starts to sound, I think some of you may begin to have a little bit of fear of the Lord. Right? You can understand this. It wasn't hard for them to fear the Lord because of what they had seen. They had seen this awesome display of God's power. Their knees knocked together, and they heard his voice. Many of them probably thought, oh my goodness, we're going to die. Many of them probably, they thought for sure that they were going to die. Their hearts were beating out of their chest. But God just didn't want them to fear him at that moment. He wanted them to teach the generations that would follow the importance of holding him in awe. According to the scripture, part of fearing the Lord involved keeping his decrees and obeying his commands. A good test to know if you fear the Lord is how concerned are you with doing his commands? 
if you are not doing what he asks you to do, then I can tell you with complete confidence that you've lost your fear of the Lord. Let me say that again. Don't everybody get all excited, okay? Just, just take a minute. Let me say it to you one more time. If you are not concerned with keeping his decrees and his commands, then I can tell you, if that's not something that's a priority in your heart, then I can tell you that you do not have enough fear of the Lord. That you've lost the fear of the Lord. You don't have the reverence, and I don't have the reverence that we need for who he really is. He's a holy God. He's a just God. He's all-powerful. What he said to them, that the fear of the Lord will be evidenced by your actions. Or the lack of the fear of the Lord will be evidenced by your actions. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now some of you say, Pastor, why does God want us to fear him? Why should we fear the Lord? Well, God wants us to fear him for our good. Verse 2 said, God wants you to fear him so that you may enjoy a long life. I'm going to teach you to fear me so that you may enjoy a long life. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs says. The fear of the Lord in Proverbs 10.27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. So God wants you to fear him so that you may enjoy a long life. He wants your children to fear him so that they may enjoy a long life. And notice the word enjoy. It doesn't just say have a long life, but throughout scripture we find that a long life was a sign of God's blessing or his favor upon you. And so he says, I'm going to teach you to fear me so that you have a good, prosperous, long life. A sign of my favor and blessings rest upon you. Why else does God want us to fear him? God wants us to fear him so that it will go well with you. We'll notice that verse there as well. Why does God want it to go well with you? Well, when you reject his instructions, you pull yourself out from under the covering and the protection of his care. Again and again, when Israel rejected the ways of the Lord, they opened themselves up to the consequences of their choices. And your heavenly father is trying to protect you from the consequences of sin. He's trying to protect you from the destructive results that come about as of sin. In Psalms 34, verse 9, it says, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want for them that fear him. Third thing I want to tell you about, why does God want us to fear him? God wants you to fear him so that you may increase greatly. Listen to verse 3. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. It's God's wanting to bless us. Why does he want us to fear him? Because he wants to go well with us, and he wants us to increase greatly. What God was saying to the children of Israel is, I got a plan for you. I have a land that's flowing with milk and honey. I have a better future for you. But I need you to pay close attention to what I say. I need you to pay close attention to what I say. Or if you don't, 
you'll miss out on what I have in store for you. Well, now some people say, well, shouldn't we love the Lord? And yes, we should. But we should also fear him. I was thinking as a child, there were things that my dad taught me, and I use my dad a lot in our messages, because he had such a huge impact upon my life. Now, I loved my dad. As a little boy, one of the things I was afraid of is I was afraid that mom and dad would die. And I don't know if any of you were afraid of that when you were a kid. When dad would go to work, a lot of times I'd get up early in the morning to say goodbye to him. He'd get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock. I'd get up and just make sure I said goodbye to him because I had this fear that maybe something would happen to my dad. But as much as I loved my dad, there was an aspect I feared my dad. Because my dad told me, he said, whenever he told me not to do something, he let me experience the consequences when I disobeyed. And I remember one of the things that my dad at our house, dad said, uh, you know, dad, before dad, when, when dad was a kid, he started smoking. You know, he was just a kid, maybe 12. And so he smoked for a number of years till he got saved. And it was hard for him to quit, but God took that away from him. But at our house, at our house, we weren't allowed to smoke. And I remember dad saying to me as a little kid, I couldn't have been more than four or five probably. I mean, I was little. I remember dad saying, if I ever catch you smoking, I'm going to beat you till the blood runs down your legs. And now, I just want to be honest, I didn't want the blood to run down my legs. <laughs> now, I loved my dad. I loved my dad. But I remember one day I was at church. I wasn't out as an 11-year-old boy at the bar. I was at church. And some of the boys from church went out behind the church, and they had a pack of cigarettes, and they were smoking, and they were going to smoke behind the church. And, I, you know, kids are stupid because it's like it's a cold, it's kind of a fall night, it's kind of a cool evening. Like, you know, if someone's outside smoking outside, and my dad used to smoke, he's going to smell it from like three miles away, like, someone's been smoking around here. If you went around somebody who smoked, he knew that you had been around somebody who smoked. And I loved my dad. But I remember going out with those guys, and I really, I don't know why, you know, all the kids were out there, not all of them, but a number of the kids were out there after church, and they're standing behind the church building, and Danny, and Danny was my best friend, and a couple of them were out there, and they lit up a cigarette, and they asked me if I wanted one. Now, I want to tell you something. My love for my dad would not have kept me from smoking that day. I loved him, but that wouldn't have kept me from smoking. You know what kept me from smoking? This fear, my dad said, if I catch you smoking, I am going to beat you till the blood runs down your legs. All of them are like, you know, and and it seems so cool at the time. But this thought in my mind that I'm going to beat you till the blood runs down your legs resonated in my head. I was like, no, I'm okay. And sure enough, within a few minutes, dad walks out of church Someone's been smoking around here. And all the kids got in trouble. You know, all of them got caught and got in trouble. Did you smoke? No, Dad, I didn't. All the blood stayed in my legs. <laughs> but there was this respect and fear for my dad that caused me, although I loved him, I wasn't mature enough at that time. I really wasn't mature enough at that time to make good decisions. You know what I mean? Like an 11-year-old kid, some, you're not mature. You don't, you don't know good decisions from bad. 
I mean, I'm so thankful that, you know, what is it, five something a pack or six dollars a pack, you know, and then a good case of lung cancer. I'm so glad I don't, I don't have to deal with that today. But those things become strongholds or addictions in people's lives. And because I feared dad, I loved him and I loved my mom. I didn't want to disappoint them, but that would not have been strong enough at that point in my life to stop me or to redirect me. What was strong enough was this, this fear of my dad. God wants, he's telling, he says, I want the people to understand. I knew dad would have tanned my hide. And God wants his people. Yes, he wants us to love him. But he also wants us to understand that there's a part of God that although he loves us and he cares about us, he will tan our hides. Okay? He will discipline you. He will punish you. He will bring the hammer down on you. Okay? And so how do I cultivate, the question I have for you, is how do we cultivate the fear of the Lord? Many of us, see, if you have a Mount Sinai experience where the heavens shake and fire falls from heaven, you have a pretty good fear of the Lord. It's kind of neat people who have had those kind of encounters with God, where God's grabbed a hold of them and he's shaken them. And they have a respect and an awe and an honor for God. But there's a generation that's growing up that hasn't had a Mount Sinai experience. God knew that there was going to be a generation that would only hear about it. And so notice what he says to them. I want to read the rest of this chapter. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Listen to what he says. He says, Impress them on your children. Impress them. Friends, if it's valuable to you, it'll be valuable to your children. I can tell you that. If it's important to you, it'll be important to the next generation. If it's not important to you, if it's not a priority to you, then do not expect it to be a priority to the next generation. And he says, impress them. Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Maybe today we would say, put them on your mirror in your bulletin. Put them on your mirror. Put them on your refrigerator. In your bulletin you'll have some scriptures about the fear of the Lord. I would encourage you to put them on your mirror. Put them on your refrigerator. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. This is what he's saying to them. Now, God's promised that he's going to bless you. And when he brings you into the blessings, when he brings you into a time of prosperity, when you experience his favor, listen to what he says, that there's going to be houses you filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide wells you did not dig and vineyard and olive groves you did not plant then when you eat and are satisfied be careful that you do not forget the lord who brought you out of egypt out of the land of slavery what's verse 13 says it says fear the lord your god serve him only 
and take your oaths in his name. Don't follow after other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you. And he will destroy you from the face of the land. That's my dad's version of I'll beat you till the blood runs down your legs. That's what God's saying to him. Moses is saying to him, he'll destroy you from the land. Do not put your Lord God to the test as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and the decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. Why? So that they go well with you. And that you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Thrusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord said. He says, whenever you do what's right, and whenever you fear the Lord, you don't have to fear anything else. When you fear the Lord, he'll fight for you. When you fear the Lord, he'll provide for you. When you fear the Lord, he will care for you and take care of you. He will drive out your enemies if you fear the Lord. It's what he's saying to them. This is a really important part, verse 20. In the future, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, And the laws the Lord our God has commanded you. What he's saying is is when in the future, when your kid comes to you and says, Dad, why can't we? Dad, why don't we? Mom, everybody else. That's what he's saying. He says in the future. When your children come to you and they ask you, what is the meaning of this? Why don't we? Why are we different than other people? You tell them that we were slaves of the devil. That's what we tell them today. We tell them, he says we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But we say at one time we were slaves to sin. At one time, Satan controlled our lives. At one time, we were in bondage, but God set us free. That's why we're not going back there. That's why we don't live like that anymore. That's why we don't act like that anymore. That's why we don't participate in that anymore. Because God brought us out. Because he set us free. When he set us free, why on earth would we want to go back to that garbage, that filth, that pit that we once were in? There's no reason for us to go back. But let's see what he says here. He says, you tell them that we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and on his whole household. He brought us out from there to bring us in. You hear that? He brought us out to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today says, the Lord taught us this, son. The Lord taught us his daughter so that we may prosper, so that our lives may be preserved, that our lives may be protected, that we may experience the good that God has for us and not the destruction. Today, as we talk about the fear of the Lord, in some ways it's like the pendulum has swung. Years ago, there was this, you had this fear that God's going to destroy you. 
and very little realization of how incredibly much God loves us. And so now we have this thing of, it seems like the pendulum has swung the other way in which God's my homeboy, he's my buddy, and there's no reverence and awe or respect for him. When we lose the fear of the Lord, we place ourselves in a place of danger. But not just you. When we lose the fear of the Lord, we jeopardize generations to come. That really what hangs in the balance is the generations to come. When mom and dad and grandmom and grandpop lose the fear of the Lord, they jeopardize generations. As we close today, if the building started to shake, some of you would get a little nervous. But let me ask you, have you had those encounters with God? Have you had those times where God's confronted you and he's addressed you and he said, enough, I'm not doing this anymore. Have you had those times in which God has confronted you and he's come to you and he said, I've had enough, That's, you know more. You know, I can think of times in my life where God's confronted me and the fear of the Lord gripped my heart because I realized I can't keep living like this. I can't keep doing this and still expect God's favor or his blessing to come and rest upon me. I can't be halfway in the world and halfway in the church and think that God's okay with that. Would you be willing, I just want to ask you this, would you be willing to let me pray for you this morning and ask God that he would give us a healthy fear for who he is, that we would learn to revere him, that if if in some way in our relationship with him, we've lost the awe and the wonder of who God is, that you would allow him, that God, you would, that he wouldn't have to be something where the earth shakes and the mountains tremble, but you just ask him today that you let me pray over you. And I want to pray over you as individuals, but as you stand, and then I want to pray over you as individuals that God would allow the fear of the Lord to captivate your heart. That fear is going to keep you from evil. That fear of the Lord, that reverence of the Lord, at times in which our love for him, at times in which I loved my dad, but man, it just seems so, what's the big deal? This isn't, he's not going to know. It's not going to hurt him. Everyone else in church is doing it. All the other church boys were doing it behind the church. Would you allow God to put a healthy fear in you so that he can bring you into a land so that you can possess what he has foreordained that you would have, and so that your children and your children's children may continue to experience the blessings and the favor that comes from living a life of obedience to God. Now, as we close, this is what I'm going to ask. If you would just say, if you just say, Pastor, I want to have, I want to have an awe of who God is. I want to be someone, I want that to be awakened in me again. I want that to be awakened inside of me. This reverence and awe and wonder for who God is. This fear of the Lord. I want it to become alive in me again. I'm just going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray for you as we conclude our service. Now when you stood, you're honoring the Lord. I'm not opening my eyes. But you're honoring the Lord as you stand. Because you're saying, God, I want to give you what you rightfully deserve. I want to show you the honor and the respect and the awe that belongs to you. Now, Lord, I pray as men and women stood across this sanctuary today, 
And they're saying, God, I want to fear you. I want to respect you. Teach me. Would you just raise your right hand to the Lord? Just raise your hand to him today. Lord, teach me. Teach me, Lord, to reverence and honor and respect you as you deserve. Allow my ways, allow my ways to bring glory to you. Cause me to have a heart that's sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Cause me to have a heart that desperately longs, desperately longs to honor and glorify and please you. Father, I pray that as I stand here today, I ask you, Lord, that you would cause me to be careful to obey all that you command me. Every little detail that to others seem unimportant because you're my God and because you said it, it's important. And I pray that I would honor you, O God, with my obedience and with my surrender. And Lord, I pray that as they have their hand lifted to you, I pray that the Holy Spirit would reach down and touch them. I pray that they would be consumed with the fire of God. And I pray that the next time that they're standing behind a church building, they're standing behind a church building like I was as an 11-year-old little boy, and someone says, hey, do you want one of these? That the fear of God would say no. The next time they're in a situation where... It seems like everybody else is doing it. That the fear of the Lord would keep us in line with your commands and with your demands for righteousness and holiness and separation from the things of this world and separated unto you. So Father, we ask you, we've invited you to put the fear of the Lord in us. I pray when we turn on the TV, I pray that the fear of the Lord would strike us. When men and women turn on their computer, I pray that the fear of the Lord would strike them. When they turn on their radio dial, I pray that the fear of the Lord would strike them. When they fill out their taxes, I pray that the fear of the Lord would strike them. Lord, whenever they turn their head this way or that way, I pray that they would be guided by the fear of the Lord. Lord, the fear of the Lord teaches us. It's the beginning of wisdom. Allow us, Lord, to be filled with your wisdom and with faith and with love for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.